Welcome back to The Perfect Puzzle. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll jump right into our study. Father, we thank you, as always, that we can learn your word. That your word is readily available to us, Father, when there's so many others in this world who don't have your word. And we ask you, Lord, to help us learn to grow in your grace. To be able to apply your word to our lives, Father. And to be equipped to go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Father, we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, last time we left off at Matthew 24, 14. So we're going to take a look beginning at uh, Matthew 24, verse 15. Where Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Now, first question to ask yourself is, what is the abomination of desolation anyway? Now, there are any number of theories, they're endless, about what that is. But for me, I believe it indicates the manifestation of the Antichrist. Today, for me, I believe the Antichrist seems very close at hand. But I, I also, I don't have any question about what the holy place is. It's, it's the temple area in Jerusalem. There are at least two scriptures relating directly to this. In the first one, the Lord is speaking to Solomon after he had finished building the temple on a specific designated site. And the Lord says to uh, Solomon, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. That's from 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3. Now, I want you to understand, it doesn't matter who occupies that site. God has never withdrawn his promise. The second scripture from Psalm 132, verses 13 and 14, confirms that God has sanctified this place. Because there it says, For the Lord has chosen Zion, which is this area, he has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here will I do here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Now, no matter how much people may desecrate it, now I'm fully aware that there's a Muslim temple standing there right now. God himself has chosen that place and ultimately it's going to be used for his purposes. It is the holy place. Now, going back to the Antichrist, Paul mentions him in connection with the coming of the Lord. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the Son of Man is revealed, the Son of Perdition. Whom we, that's the guy we, all, we also know known as the Antichrist. He's also called, he's the man of lawlessness. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now I believe that process is part of what's included in Matthew 24:15. I think it's pretty close at hand. Now I don't really speculate much concerning current events. When I do speculate on current events, I'm going to tell you that I'm speculating. But 
you should know it's an established fact that there are groups of Jewish people in Israel preparing busily for the restoration of a Jewish temple. Now, Jewish archaeologists have also found that the space the Holy of Holies occupied is not where the Dome of the Rock or the Mosque of Omar now stands, but it's actually north of it. So it is conceivable that the Antichrist, who you know is going to be a master of politics, he could strike a deal between the Jews and the Arabs by which the Arabs would retain the Mosque of Omar and the Jews would be permitted to build their temple just north on the true side of the Holy of Holies. I'm not saying it's going to happen that way, but I am speculating that it most probably could. Now, when the Antichrist shows himself in that area, and we're moving on in verses 16 to 18, Jesus says to act and act quickly. Then let those who are in Judea, and by the way, that's what some people call the West Bank, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Now, the use of the word then in the beginning of verse 16 is very dramatic. This is speaking about a flight so rapid, there's no time for anyone to stop and take anything. Now, that part of the world, many of the houses have flat roofs. They have side staircases on the outside of the house that lead down to the ground. Jesus says that anyone who's on the roof when this happens, get yourself down the staircase and don't even go in the house. You don't have time. People are to take off as fast as they can. Then Jesus talks about a man in the field. He's in work clothes without a jacket. When this thing, whatever it is, happens, Jesus says to run. Don't even go back home to get clothes because it's too late. Now, it will be such a hasty flight, as said earlier, that pregnant women and women with nursing babies will be will be at a disadvantage. And Jesus has said that if we're living in Judea, we're going to have to flee. Don't waste time praying that we will not have we will not have to flee. Instead, we should pray within the guidelines that we may not have to flee in the winter, for obvious reasons, or on the Sabbath. And as I've pointed out in some other studies, that last point assumes you're Jewish, because otherwise, it's not going to make any difference whether it's on the Sabbath or on some other day. You know, if you look at those verses closely, the verse, you know, they, it tells us a lot when we understand its implications. Then in t- verse 21, Jesus says, For then... And notice, there's another then. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Now, I want to depart from this for a minute, and I want you to think back over the last hundred years at what's happened. We had the Holocaust, six million Jews murdered and burned in ovens. Stalin was responsible for the deaths of 20 million people in the former Soviet Union. Mao Zedong acknowledged responsibility for the deaths of 60 million Chinese. Now, Jesus is saying that something even worse than all of that is going to happen. Something that's never happened before, never will happen again. And science, scientists tell us there's enough nuclear explosive material in existence on Earth to destroy the entire human race 50 times over. 
you know, the massive destruction Jesus is talking about is no longer a ridiculous impossibility. And an understanding of God's dealings with the Jews is going to give us a far more clear insight into all of Scripture than we could ever have without it. Because God's plan appears right in the middle of one of Paul's long sentences. Romans chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first, also of the Greek. That means Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So I want you to see there that there's an order in which God deals. When tribulation comes, it's to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. You know, when you think about the Holocaust, I mean, that is such an awful thing, you know, because it happened to six million Jews. What's going to happen to the Gentiles? It's never going to end with the Jews. They're the starting point. It is to the Jew first, then to the Greek. Then he goes on to say in verse 22, Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now the word elect occurs three times in this short little passage. It's an important word because it means chosen. It may be hard to accept, but scripture indicates or tells us that God has those whom he has chosen. People like you and me. We are saved not because we chose Jesus, but because Jesus chose us. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15:16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Ephesians 1.4 tells us that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And when God chooses us, though, we have to make the decision to respond to his choice. But we never initiate his choice. God knows everyone whom he has chosen. We're not afterthoughts. We're not accidents looking for a place to happen. We're all a part of an eternal plan, one that includes a whole lot of people who are not yet believers. And God knows each one of them. And he's not going to rest until he has gathered in every single one. You know, that's why it's so deeply impressing to read these words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. When you think about that, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. God has chosen ones in every age and every nation. Paul says he's willing to go through whatever it takes to gather in the chosen ones. And that's why we're told to go into the world and preach the gospel. I want you to think about something. There is a number of chosen ones. And when that number's full, Maybe that's when Jesus is coming. And maybe that one is a person God wants you to talk to by going into the world and preaching the gospel. Think about that. Because furthermore, the age is not going to close, Jesus tells us, until all the chosen ones have been gathered in. He says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. 
In other words, if God doesn't shorten the period of the Great Tribulation, no human being would remain alive. Now we get further insight on the theme of the Great Tribulation over in Revelation chapter 7. Now this chapter references a throng. All nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues that is gathered before the throne. And in verses 13 to 14, one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now pay close attention. John is not talking about those who have come out, but who are coming out. Here John is actually seeing them streaming out of the Great Tribulation. And by use of the word the, the English language indicates there is only one tribulation. It's unique. It's never happened before. It's never going to happen again. Then the next verse gives these wonderful words. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Now bear in mind, this is coming out of the tribulation. The church has been removed. These are people who have come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ during the tribulation. It's a beautiful picture. It's something we need to focus on because we're going to, we, we may, you may have to go through a lot. And with, if you're here when this happens, and I pray to God you're not, don't lose sight of the gold. Otherwise, you're going to get weary. And as the Bible says in Hebrews 12:3, you're going to faint in your mind. Don't ever lose sight of God's plans close for the age. If you if you don't make the rapture, it's worth going through everything to end up in heaven. And then Jesus goes on at this point in his discourse. He offers key signs that have a common theme. They all have some relation to the skies. It's also at this point he tells his disciples... He's going to return on the clouds that believers will meet him in the air. You know, these signs and promises turn our gaze heavenward. And one very dramatic sign in the sky is accomplished by the false prophet, who is the main supporter of the Antichrist. The magnitude of this person's abilities will apparently cause some to turn away from their faith. Our next item then in Matthew 24 gives us this insight. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Revelation 13 talks about the accomplishments of this false prophet. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Now, he's going to be able to make fire come down from heaven. 
I don't know of any preacher today who can do that. But this guy is a servant of Satan, and he uses these supernatural signs to deceive people. And you know, Satan is capable of many dramatic signs and wonders. Many Christians have a tendency to think that, if well, if it's supernatural, it's got to be from God. And that's not true, and we need to bear it in mind. Over in Acts 16, we read about a fortune teller, a slave, who follows Paul and Silas in the streets, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, this slave is the first person in Philippi to know who they are. But she's the servant of Satan. She has a satanic word of knowledge. How does Paul react? Does he say, oh, come on into the church. You've got a word of knowledge about who we are. You know, you're talking about the future. No, that's not what Paul does. He casts the demon out of her. I think many Christians today are being set up for deception by satanic supernatural powers because of their fascination with the future through false signs and wonders. Truth is not established by signs. Truth is established by the word of God. Jesus said in John 17:17, 17, 17, Your word is truth. Now that's all we need to know. Anything contrary to the word of God is not truth. It's not from God. I don't think I've said this enough, but you need to understand the Christian church is not going to be here during the height of the tribulation. That church is going to be raptured. But if you believe that the church I'm talking about is your church, then you need to rethink your thinking. The church, as the Bible speaks of it, is Christian believers. It's not one specific Christian denomination. If you're Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, or anything else, and you rest in the idea that your church membership and your practice of following that church's doctrines and rules means that you're a Christian, and you've got your get-into-heaven ticket punched, then you need to know you're mistaken. Now, in the book of Matthew, Jesus tells us that not everyone's going to get into heaven. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. You know, the Bible's saying here, you know, Jesus said many people are going to look to be entering heaven, and they're going to be condemned to hell. Most religious people, most religious people die with an expectation of God letting them into heaven. It don't work that way. We have to enter into heaven God's way. That's through Jesus Christ. And yes, good people do go to heaven. But it's about so much more than being a good person. Good people will also go to hell. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son 
that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Only sinners who are born again and place their complete faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior don't have anything to worry about. And in verse 25, Jesus says, See, I have told you beforehand. In other words, he's telling those disciples, You can't say you've never been warned. And when you think about it in fact, you who are listening, you're never going to be able to say from now on that you have not been warned. And we'll stop here until next time. This is the perfect puzzle.